Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmelk, and welcome to another episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. On today's show, we're going to take a look back at Super Bowl 25. Our very own Bob Papa will talk to two men that had a huge role in the Giants defeating the Buffalo Bills. Defensive coordinator Bill Belichick and starting quarterback Jeff Hostetler. But first, I want to remind you guys out there, if you're listening to this on Giants.com or the Giants mobile app, that's great. We appreciate it, but it's easier for you. Better for us. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe. Add us to your favorites. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review and a high rating. Now let's get to our interviews. The Giants are hosting the Bills this week in their home opener. The Giants are celebrating their Fantennial celebration, honoring the 100 years of the National Football League. So we're taking a look back at the Giants' biggest matchup against the Bills in their history, and that, of course, Super Bowl XXV. Let's start with Bill Belichick, who developed a game plan to slow down what was then perhaps the best offense in the NFL. A no-huddle, Kagon high-flying offense led by quarterback Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas played running back, and wide receivers Andre Reid and James Lofton. Now, Bob Papa with future Hall of Famer and Giants defensive coordinator for Super Bowl XXV, Bill Belichick. Super Bowl XXV, I mean, whether I talk to when I see Everson or any of the guys from that team, they'll say the same thing. Yeah, you know, we prided ourselves on not allowing the opposition to run the ball. And Coach Belichick told us, we need to let Thurman Thomas get 100 yards or more. That's how we win the game. Is that true? Well, I think Thurman Tom. I think the running game was the least of our concerns in that game. And Thurman Thomas is a great back. We knew he was going to get some yards. But I, I didn't feel like we wanted to get into a game where they threw the ball 45 times. And I knew if they had some success running the ball that, you know, they would stay with it. And I, I always felt like when we needed to stop the run, we could stop it. And the more times they threw it was just one less time they could get it to Reed or get it to Lofton or throw it to Thomas, who I thought was more dangerous as a receiver because there's more space than he was as a runner where they actually had to block everybody. So, you know, we started the game with, you know, a lot of defensive backs. We didn't play many defensive linemen. And I was trying to kind of entice them into calling more runs because they, they could see that we didn't have many, many defensive linemen on the field. But they, they still didn't really run the ball that much. And then at halftime, we just kind of assumed that they're going to sit in there at halftime and say, we got to start running the ball. And so then that's when we went to our nickel group and, and tried to beef it up a little bit. And, and they did try to run the ball more in the second half. I mean, ultimately, the play of the game to me was, was Everson making the tackle on Thurman Thomas uh, at the end of the game. And, and really, at that point, their passing game was diminished to the point where on that last drive, I don't think they gained any yards at all throwing. I mean, they threw a, a diagonal where the guy ran out of bounds. But, I mean, their yards came, you know, in the running game. Punishing their wide receivers. I mean, how much was that understood by your guys that that had to be done? Oh, that's the way they wanted to play. You know, we played – I mean, our base defense was cover two. And, and the theory in cover two is jam the outside receivers, get two safeties deep in the middle, and let them throw it inside. And are they going to catch them? Sure, but – Pepper and Carl and Lawrence and those guys, that's what they live for. Go ahead, you can catch for four or five yards, but you're going to pay the price. And that's, a, you know, and, and that's the way we wanted to play. We wanted them to throw short. We wanted to keep it in front of us. And we wanted to either hit them if they came in there on the route or if they caught it, you know, to hit them after the catch and, and just try to make it a more physical game. Uh, again, Buffalo and their K-gun like to create space, like to get everything spread out. 
and we're trying to keep it away from a you know a real thumping game, and that's what we wanted to try to bring it back to. Was that game a perfect example of team in the ultimate sense of it's a warm, hot night in Tampa. It's very humid. You've got some age on your team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and your running back's a little bit older too, I might add. Um, they're a fast, young team, and here's where your physicality as a defense combined with your team's offensive physicality meshed perfectly on that one night where it delivered victory. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that our offense was on the field for so long uh, with their offense being such a fast-paced offense helped in, in a number of ways. I mean, A, it kept them off the field. B, it gave us a lot more time defensively, you know, after every series to talk about the adjustments, to talk about what they were doing, to look at the pictures, to, you know, just further teach the players uh, and for them to communicate with each other about what was happening. Because, again, Nobody was used to playing that offense. They were the only team that ran it, and they ran it very well. Uh, and it was different for us. You know, we spent most of our time that week watching TV film, which you really can't see the whole play. But the thing about the TV film was we saw the pace. And so we made the players in those TV films, you know, I would yell out the call as soon as the play was over, and then the players would have to communicate their coverage responsibilities, their run responsibilities but it forced us to think faster than what we were used to doing. So uh, having that extra time on the sideline to, to talk to the players, to tell them, okay, the next time, here's the first call I'm going to make, then here's the second call I'm going to make, because they're in the same formation every time. That wasn't an issue. Um, after we call those two things, then this next thing will set up off of that. But it gave us a lot of time to prepare those things, and that was because our offense was able to hold the ball and, you know, Jumbo did a good job on Bruce Smith, and we were able to, you know, run and stay on the field offensively, and we didn't have to play that much defense, and, and that, that really helped. Because had it gone the other way, you know, had we been playing 80 plays on defense and they had the ball for 35 minutes, it would have been tough. That's Bill Belichick. And then you have Jeff Hosteller, who took over for starting quarterback Phil Simms after an injury earlier in the year. Hosteller was a career backup and was finally given the opportunity to lead the Giants to the promised land. And he did. Bob starts the interview with Jeff Hosteller by asking about the game-winning field goal from Matt Barr in the NFC Championship game a week prior that got the Giants to the Super Bowl. As Barr's kick goes through, are you still in the moment? Do you have a chance to reflect about, like, holy cow, I'm going to be the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl? I think uh, I think after that game, getting to the locker room, um, uh, finally, you know, just sitting there and just kind of thinking a little bit and realizing, wow, all these people said it couldn't be done, and we're going to the Super Bowl, and um, that was that was a that was a great moment. Um, but like all things, just going to the Super Bowl, uh, you can't just go to the Super Bowl. You got to win the Super Bowl. And again, it's uh, you got that great um, feeling of, of having won and doing things that people said can't be done. And uh, uh, to let's put it aside, worry about it later. Let's concentrate because at that point we only had one week, and uh, we were going against a team that um, was supposedly the lock of the year to win the Super Bowl, and we were underdogs again. But um, we liked that role. You know. Um one of the most important plays in that Super Bowl is the safety that you took. Um, take me through that play because 
I'm guessing nine times out of ten, most quarterbacks are coughing that ball up. It's a touchdown, and maybe that game gets out of reach. But you're able to keep the ball, and suddenly a safety didn't seem like such a bad thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I believe the, the play was 258, um, where I'll drop back five steps and then roll out to the right. We were down uh, close to the goal line uh, coming out. And as I dropped back, I think Otis had to step in uh, to pick somebody up. And as he stepped in, he caught my foot. Uh, I started to stumble. The ball comes back. And uh, again, it, it felt like back home with my two older brothers in the yard. Um, I felt this big old mitt on my arm, uh, on my wrist. And then it was everything I could do to, to try to get uh, the rest of my body wrapped back around and try to find the ball. And uh, um, you know, at the time, I was, I was fired up just because uh, you, know, you don't want to give up a safety. Um, uh, I got tripped up. You know, uh, we cost us two points. Uh, you know, it, it was frustration, not looking at, um, as the game turned out, it to be a big play. Um, but it ended up being a huge play. Um, uh, it could have turned the game completely the opposite way. But uh, you know, fortunately, able to tuck it in and and uh, just give up two. Take me through that drive near the end of the first half that ends with the Stephen Baker touchdown in the left corner of the end zone. But um, that drive, it seemed like you guys really got into a rhythm, both with the run and the pass. Well, I think I think um, you know. We actually uh, survived a bombardment from them early on. I mean, uh, they weren't a real big defensive unit, but they were a fast, quick defensive unit that uh, had some big-name players and really talented. And um, we just weren't able to, to get in a rhythm yet. And um, all of a sudden it was, okay, guys, it's do or die. we got to, number one, give our defense a little break. Number two, we got to start wearing these guys down, and we got to play smash-mouth football. We got to move it around, move the pocket around, um, mix up uh, run and pass, and that's what we ended up doing. Gave everybody an opportunity to do their job and uh, play a role in it, and uh, I think that was the key. I mean, guys stepped up, made plays, uh, we blocked well, we we ran the ball well, um, we threw the ball well, uh, we kept them off balance, we attacked the the edges. They didn't know where I was going to end up, and I think uh, I think that gave all of us confidence. I think that gave our offensive line confidence, um, knowing that they could protect me, that that I wasn't just going to be a sitting duck, you know, five or six yards back, and um, uh, that was a huge, huge opportunity for us as a team to go ahead and play smash mouth football, eat up the clock, and and uh, everybody after that knew that we could get it done. Probably until the Tyree catch in Super Bowl Forty Two. One of the great plays in Super Bowl history is Mark Ingram's third down catch and run yeah. where he literally broke seven or eight tackles. Uh, you're the one that delivered him the ball. Tell me what you're seeing as this play is unfolding. Well, I, I, we had third and long. I can't remember what the, the distance was. Um, so uh, Buffalo dropped back uh, trying to prevent you know the completed pass for the first down uh, beyond the sticks. And... Uh, one of the things I'd seen many times and heard many times and learned many times was um, sometimes you got to get guys the opportunity to make those plays. And uh, dumped it underneath to Mark uh, Ingram, and uh, just an unbelievable play, uh, an unbelievable effort by him, but also other guys around, you know, uh, just not giving up their blocks, uh, coming down and trying to get in position to make something else happen. But uh, 
he did a great job cutting, you know, stopping on a dime, twirling, uh, hopping on one leg, everything that he could do to get that first down. And, um, you know, that was, that was sort of a, the signature of, of our whole team. Every individual that, we, uh, that played in that game was doing the same thing. It was laying everything out on the line. How much of a calming influence was it with Otis? I mean, he gets traded in 86. They barely use him. I mean, this guy's one of the elite running backs in the NFL. He comes to the Giants. There's really no role for him. Um, then, obviously, he gets a role once Joe Morris got hurt. And, but then it was Hampton's ball. But then Rodney got hurt. And now here's Otis starting in the Super Bowl. Here's Jeff, an 84-round draft pick that never got a chance to play. And both of you guys, my opinion, it should have been co-MVPs of that Super Bowl. But how much did you, how much did you lean on him and him on you through this? Uh, tremendously. You know, Otis and I, um, heck, we practiced all the time together. I mean, uh, uh, he was a, a huge calming uh, uh, influence on me, a positive influence on me, a um, supportive influence, and I the same for him. Uh, we practiced together. You know, uh, it's funny because Otis uh, a lot of times took the ball differently. He didn't give you a pocket to take it. And uh, the good thing about when he came in, I was used to how to get the ball to him. Uh, it was the same with Stephen Baker. You know, we, we spent a lot of time on the, uh, on the picture team, on the scout team, you know, given uh, our defense looks. Um, you know, I, I got used to knowing how to throw the ball to, to, to Bake, you know, and uh, same with, with Otis. Um, I think that was part of the – it was tougher for me to get used to, um, you know, guys that were starters because I never had the opportunities to work with them. And um, so, you know, when we had the chance together, man, it was, it was uh, uh, we were both pumped up, pumped up for each other uh, uh, and looking out for each other. And I think uh, having him there uh, playing well, um, always being supportive, it was huge. So you take a knee with your helmet, you're down off on the side there, and you're watching Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly drive the football. What's going through your mind as you're watching the defense? And I think it was Everson that made a big tackle on Thurman Thomas. So it's maybe they get a lot closer for a, mm -hmm. a game-winning field goal. But what's racing through your mind? Because your job is done at this point. Yeah. You've delivered the lead. There's nothing else I can do. Yeah, I can remember uh, um, watching the defense, watching them move the ball down, watching the clock. And then uh, when they lined up for the field goal, I can remember getting away from everybody, trying to, to go down. And I just uh, took a knee and just watched and, uh, uh, you know, firmly believe God had a plan for me. And um, I was able to go out and give the best uh, that I could. I, I did everything that I could that day out on that field. Um, I had prepared myself, um, played as best as I could. And now it was an opportunity just to sit and just watch. I had no idea what was going to happen, but I just knew that I was going to take this moment in. And uh, no matter what happened, I was just going to sit there and watch everybody. And uh, I can still hear the thump and see that ball going up, and I can still see the official underneath, no good, and just watching our guys race all over the place. Um, I stayed there for a while, just, uh, just savoring it, because I knew... As you stated, I, I did everything that I could at that time. My job was done. Um, now it was just a matter of what the outcome was going to be. So now you get once you get back to the locker room, now it's you are the Super Bowl champion, yeah. and you're the winning quarterback, and that ring is going to feel and look a lot better than the 86 ring, which you also earned yeah. as a member of the team. But um, what was it when it first started to wash over you that 
what you had accomplished? Well, I, I think uh, it was a combination of things. I think uh, the atmosphere uh, outside uh, the football community, what was going on in the world with uh, the Gulf War and um, the uh, Star Spangled Banner, banner uh, sung by Whitney Houston, um, the whole stadium filled with little flags. Uh, at one point in the first half, I was dinged up, got hit, and they were giving me smelling salts. And uh, the only thing I can remember after they left was seeing uh, a big uh, copter up in the, in the uh, sky with the guns out and thinking, wow, look at this. You know, all this stuff that's going on. And then having, boom, back into the game. And then having won the game and being back in the locker room. And then having all of a sudden all this tight security and every one of my brothers is in there. My two kids, my, my wife who's pregnant is in with me. Um, all celebrating something that six weeks earlier um, didn't even seem a possibility. It was pretty special. Special for Giant fans as well. That's Bill Belichick and Jeff Hostetler on the most recent episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thank you for being with us. And again, if you're listening to this on Giants.com or the Giants mobile app, we appreciate it. But if you go to your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, add us to your favorites, put us into your feed. It's a lot easier for you and better for us. Thank you to Bob Papa, to Bill Belichick, and to Jeff Hostetler for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Adios.